Now, the next three weeks, I'm going to be doing a series. Uh, the title of my message this morning is The Betrayer. Then next week, we look at the cross, and then the next week will be Easter. We look at the resurrection. So we're going to look at the betrayer, the cross, the resurrection over these next three Sundays. Matthew chapter 26 is my text. One young fellow got all tangled up as he was preaching from the parable of the Good Samaritan. So the story goes, he said this, once upon a time, uh, once upon a time long ago, a young man went to Jerusalem and he fell among thieves. Thorns sprung up around him and choked him. But he went on and met the queen of Sheba. And she gave him 30 pieces of silver that she got out of the mouth of a fish. With that, the young man bought 10 changes of raiment and a foe, and he rode into the city as the people put palm branches in his path. And he was riding, as he was riding, he caught his long hair in a tree. And he hanged there 40 days and 40 nights. Ravens brought him food and he got water from a rock until one night Delilah showed up and cut off his hair where he fell on stony ground. And when he got up, he went into the highways and the hedges looking for the fields which were white to harvest. When he got back to Jerusalem, he saw Jezebel sitting in top of a sycamore tree. And the young man told her to come down. She refused, saying that she had just bought five yoke of oxen and must go to prove them. At that point, the young man took his sling and five smooth stones and knocked Jezebel out of the tree. And he knocked her down 70 times, seven times, so that the great, so great was the fall of her. And of the fragments of her, they took up 12 baskets full. <laughs> At which point, the confused young preacher ended his sermon, which he profoundly questioned, now whose wife will she be in the judgment? <laughs> that sounds like one of my deacons. <laughs> you ever been confused about something? <laughs> I have been before. Today, we start on a kind of a sad note, the betrayer. John, uh, Matthew 26, verse 14 and following. Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priests and said unto them, What will you give me, and I will deliver him, Christ, unto you? And they covenanted with him for thirty pieces of silver. And from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. Here Judas is introduced as the betrayer. The first thing that comes to your mind is how in the world could he do that? After being blessed so much by Christ and then all of a sudden to sink so low to betray his Messiah and then for 30 pieces of silver. Let me ask you the question, have you ever been betrayed by a friend? <laughs> it really hurts, doesn't it? Well, Psalm 55, verse 12, David said, For it was not an enemy that reproached me, then I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me, that did magnify himself against me, then I would have hid myself from him. But it was thou, 
a man mine equal, my guide, and mine acquaintance. We took sweet fellowship, to, we, we took sweet counsel together and walked in, into the house of God in company. The thing that broke David's heart was it wasn't some distant stranger, but it was somebody that he cared about, and it hurt. And that's what happens in this story here. Some things about G Judas here. He had heard the teachings of Christ. We know that. He heard the messages about the kingdom. He heard the Sermon on the Mount. He had received firsthand revelation, new truth, that he expanded on what the Old Testament say. He expanded on top of that. So he was so fortunate and so privileged to be able to be a part of that. Now, if you could hear Christ personally right now and you could hear him, would that make a difference in your life? Well, I would hope it would. But here we have one who did. He saw him. He heard him. Evidently, though, it shows that Judas did not allow Christ's rule to get into his heart. And we're going to share that about him in a minute. But, you know, there's a lot of times people, they come to church, and they sing the songs, they listen to the message, can't wait to go out to lunch. Hope the preacher's not long today, so we won't be late getting there because the crowds start gathering. And, and they don't allow the word of God or the songs of the music to penetrate down in their heart, their soul. And as a result, they're missing out on a lot, aren't they, when they do something like that. Also, he saw the miracles done by Jesus. He was there when the storm broke out, when they were in the boat. When the storm arose, Christ arose. <laughs> and he calmed the storm, showing he had power over nature itself. And Judas saw that. He was there when Jesus took five loaves and two fishes. And he performed a miracle by feeding the thousands of them. He was there to see the blind see, the lame to walk, the lepers cleansed, the deaf to hear. He even saw Christ raise some people from the dead. What if you saw those things? Do you think it would have an impact on you? Boy, I think <laughs> if I went to a funeral and all of a sudden the guy says, walks up and says, rise up, and the dead person gets up, I'm getting up, okay? <laughs> Woo, that'd be something, wouldn't it, huh? He saw those who put their faith in Christ. You know, he's... Saw the 11, the others, the 11, uh, I'm sure he heard their testimonies. We know he was there with Lazarus, the one whom Jesus loved, I believe. He was there for the woman at the well, there for Magdalene, there for we little Zacchaeus. <laughs> he was even there when the woman was taken in adultery. He was there when Christ saved publicans and sinners alike. Yet he himself never experienced salvation. And there are a lot of people, they go to church and they see some things that God does, but yet they never allow it to be part of their own story and their own heart. He saw them, put their faith in him. Then he went out with the others to do ministry. One time Christ sent 70 of them out and he went out to preach, heal, cast out the evil spirits. He witnessed it all. I mean, he saw all of that. 
yet he rejected the works of God in his own life. Now here's the devastation, the story of it. Matthew 26, verse 17. Now the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? They're going to have a meal together, okay? Verse 20 then. Now when the even was come, he sat down with the twelve. And as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful, and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, He that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. The Son of Man goeth as it is written of him, but woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? He said unto him, Thou hast said. Now here's the twelve having their meal. Can you imagine the shock, the brokenness? The person that's going to deceive and betray Christ was one of them. They're the chosen ones. But one of their own had deceived and played the part of a hypocrite. There was one of them who would betray Christ. Judas had pretended to be a disciple. He had fooled the other 11. The other 11 didn't even ask themselves, is it Judas? They said, Lord, is it I? They looked at themselves before they would Judas. So he played the part, but he didn't fool Christ. Christ knew all things, didn't he? Notice verse 36 and 37. Then cometh Jesus with them into a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with them Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then verse 45. Then cometh he to his disciples and saith unto them, Sleep on now and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. And while he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he. Hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, even though he knew all this was going on, friend. Isn't that amazing? You see, Judas, he brings a great multitude. We know there were a lot of people. We know that the religious rulers had their mob with the clubs and swords and things like that. We know the temple guard, one of the gospel says they went. And then also we know from another one, the Roman soldiers went there. So there might have been hundreds of them that came with Judas for the rest of Jesus Christ. 
And we ask ourselves this question, why in the world would Judas do something like this? There are some reasons why. The first reason why is this here. Judas was a thief. He was a thief. John 12, 3 says, Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, Who? Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence, that's a year's wage, and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but he was a thief and had the bag, the treasury, and bear what was put therein. It's interesting, all the disciples criticized it for waste. Mary understood it was for Christ's upcoming burial. They didn't have enough spiritual insight to see that because they were rejecting that thought. But here, here they come. And uh, Judas is the one, though, who originated it because Judas was full of greed. It states in Acts 1.18, Now this man, Judas, purchased the field with the reward of iniquity and falling headlong, he burst asunder in the mist and all his bowels gushed out. That's speaking of Judas. He had purchased the field. Now remember this. He had given the 30 pieces of silver back. It wasn't the 30 pieces of silver that bought that land. Where did he get that money? He was a thief. He would take it out for his own consumption and his own, what, future perhaps, and he bought this field. So Judas was a thief. Secondly, Judas was not cleansed like the other apostles. John 13, verse 10, 11. Jesus saith unto him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye are clean, now get this, but not all. For he know who should betray him. Therefore said he, ye are not all clean. You see, Judas didn't have a personal relationship with Christ at all. When you check the, uh, the list of the apostles, disciples, usually Judas is always the last one for some reason. It never shows in the Bible where he has interaction with Christ outside of when Christ rebuked him. So Judas was not cleansed. Something else, Judas was a satanic plant. His name is Judas Iscariot, relating him to a group of people. Some people believe he was part of a group of Jewish rebels, assassins, that wanted to overthrow the Roman government. Possibility. But notice what Christ says in John 6, 70. Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a... Hello? A devil. And he spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he that should betray him, being one of the twelve. John 13, 27. And after the sop, the dip, Satan entered into him, Judas. Then said Jesus unto him, 
that thou doest, do it quickly. You see, Judas, I said Judas was a satanic plant. <laughs> you see, Judas was from a town called Carioth, a part of area. Carioth. Dr. Richard Jordan says Carioth was east of the Jordan River in Moab, Moab, Syria. And it's possible that Judas was a Syrian Jew. Now, the reason that's important, Jeremiah 48, 24. Now, I want you to do a little Bible study with me. And upon where? That's where Judas is from. And upon Basra, and upon all the cities of the land of Moab, far and near. The horn of Moab is cut off, and his arm is broken, saith the Lord. Now, it states in the context there, this is about the tribulation and Christ's return. And in that time, there's a man where judgment falls upon him in Moab. This man has a broken or bad arm, and he's from Moab. Now, with that in mind, Zechariah eleven seventeen, Woe to the who? The idle shepherd that leaveth the flock. The sword shall be upon his, what? His arm, upon his right eye. His arm shall be clean dried up, and his right eye shall be utterly darkened. There's the man right there. That's a reference, the idle shepherd, to a deadly wound of the Antichrist. That at the middle of the tribulation, he will heal it or he will rise seemingly from the dead in the middle of the tribulation. Something else. And right in the middle of the passage and the context there of the Antichrist is something else. Zechariah eleven twelve says, we just looked at the, the verses. And I said unto them, if you think good, give me my price, and if not, forbear. So they weighed for my price 30 pieces of silver. And the Lord said unto me, cast it unto the potter a goodly price, and so on and so on. It's right in the middle of the context there of the Antichrist. Now, the reason I even say that, notice Judas. Judas chapter 17, verse 12. While I was with them in the world, this is Christ praying to the Father, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Who's the son of perdition? Who? Judas. Now you compare that with 2 Thessalonians 2.3. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed. The man of sin is the Antichrist, the son of perdition. Judas is a type of Antichrist, a satanic operation designed to try to bring about Christ's destruction. 
I personally believe Judas was a satanic plant and Christ permitted it to show that he had authority over everything. And the next reason Judas betrayed Christ was to fulfill prophecy. Psalm 41.9 says, Yea, my own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. Now, no, look at that verse right there. That's talking about Judas. And he lifted up his heel against Christ, his friend. And by the way, I was thinking about it. What about Genesis 3, when Christ is going to bruise Satan, or take care of Satan's head, but Satan's going to bruise the Lord's heel? They kind of go together, don't they? But to fulfill prophecy, John 17, 12 again, the last part of the verse, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture, what? might be fulfilled. You see, Christ gave Judas several opportunities to change his mind and say, no, I can't do this. I love him. But Judas never did that. So God, in his foreknowledge and in the way that he's working to carry things out, uses Judas to fulfill his God's purpose. Judas wasn't only a betrayer, I've come down the stretch, but he also was a loser. Loser. Amen. He lost on going into the kingdom. That's the first thing he lost. You know, that was Israel, the prophecies Israel hoped for and dreamed for, was one day to be able to go into the kingdom. Here, the little flock's going to get to go into the kingdom, but not Judas. Judas will never be blessed by God forever. That was the potential there for him. And he lost his entrance into the kingdom. Something else, he lost out on the kingdom's honors. He had a place of honor. Do you remember when the Lord said, I'm going to let the 12 apostles sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Right? And at that time, he was one of them. And that was forfeited, and somebody had to take that place. Who was it? Matthias. But there he is. He forfeited his place that he would have always had a place of honor. Thirdly, he lost out on the joy and peace he could have had in a relationship with Christ. He lost out on that peace and that joy. After he turned Christ in, he felt guilty. He felt remorse. So he went back and took the 30 pieces of silver back. But he was troubled inside. No doubt he said, what a fool I've been. And the guilt ate him up. And so he went out and he hanged himself. He must have hung there for a little while. And then rather the rope broke or from the neck, it finally let go and his head went through it, whatever. But he fell down and he burst asunder. When he could have had a relationship with Christ. Think of the awful consequences there. And I think of other people today. 
You can have a relationship with Christ today if you believe the gospel grace. You don't have to worry about any kind of punishment or anything happening like that. Amen? Not only that, I think about Judas. He lost not having any hope for eternity. The Bible says he went to his own place. Judas, when he died there, he went straight to hell in the heart of the earth. And in hell there, God had a special place for him. You remember he said it had been best he'd never been born? <laughs> you remember before Christ rose, and I personally believe changed where paradise was, in hell was torment and paradise. A gulf separated them. The believers would go to the paradise side and the lost people would go to the torment side. And some people believe that Christ went to the torment side and told them that he defeated all of them. <laughs> some believe that there's a gulf fix and like the rich man could see Lazarus in Abraham's bosom, you could see each other across this gulf. I just wonder, if Judas ever got a glance or a picture of the Son of God that he could have had, but he missed out on him. Amen? His life was scorned by the religious leaders. They looked down upon him in disgust. He had to leave the blessings of being in the presence of the other 11 apostles. The scripture reminds people constantly he was a betrayer. And even centuries later, Judas is known as traitor. And I believe with all my heart in hell, no doubt he cries out. I was one of the 12. I heard Jesus' sermons. I sang the songs. I opened up the word. I did some of the works of God. I saw people that were healed, people that were saved. I was so close, but I did not allow it to get into my heart. What a fool I was. What a fake I was. And you can come to church, and you can play the role. You can carry your Bible. You can sing the song. You can woo if you want to but you've never allowed the truth to penetrate your heart. And you have no hope, whether you realize it or not. You see, Satan fights against this. Ephesians 6 says this, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now that, I mean, we're in a battle. He states in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, And no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as ministers of righteousness whose ends shall be according to their works. And the devil has counterfeited truth. And the devil has confused people. And people trust in their self. They trust in their religion. They trust in their denomination. And they won't trust in what Christ has done for them. And that's a problem today. And the devil is good at it. 
Paul said this, though, in Galatians 1.8, But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. There's only one gospel that can save today, and that's the gospel of grace. And it's the fact that Jesus Christ died for your sins that you could not pay for. He died for your sins. He was buried, and he rose again the third day. That's the gospel, and it was sufficient for the Father to say, that's enough to save man if he will believe. Amen? Amen? And that's what God wants to do for you. You see, it's more than just saying, well, I believe. Uh, you know, there's such a thing as a mental assent that you need to have. The spirit, our spirit, always has to do with our mind, our thinking, our understanding. And the Holy Spirit explains God's truth to our mind, our understanding, that when I see the Bible, I say, yeah, there it is. I, I believe it. it says that right there. But then there is our soul. And the soul is the innermost part of our being. It's our heart. It's where our will is. Our emotions are. It's what makes the final decision to have faith in the information God has given us in his word. God's word said, you're a sinner, you can't save yourself, but my son has done everything necessary to save you. He died, he buried, he rose. That's enough. Believe that in your soul, in your heart. Make that decision. It's for you. It goes from my understanding, the spirit, my spirit of understanding and knowing truth, the truth, and it goes down and says, that's not only truth, but that's for me. It's for me. I'm accepting it for me. I believe God. I believe what you say in your word. I believe it. And when you believe it, you're saved. Amen? Let's just bow our head and close our eyes. Oh, Judas. Great hypocrite great pretender, chameleon, yet lost and became the betrayer of the very Son of God. If you're here and you've been just going through the motions, today is to get real. Get real with Christ and what his word says. If you're here today and your heart were to stop beating this moment, where would you go? You need to ask yourself that sometimes. If I die now, where do I go? And if it's not to be with the Lord, that means you know you need to be saved. And to be saved is to tell God you believe the gospel that we just presented. It's the only gospel. It's the only way that you can be saved is to believe that Christ died for your sins. He was buried. He rose again. And right now at this moment, why don't you just tell God from your heart, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Your heart, not just a mental ascent, but your soul, your will. I decide Christ is enough for me. I believe what he did for me is enough. God, I believe. 
Tell God that right now in your heart. And if you will believe that in your heart, God will save you the moment you believe that. Father, thank you for the gospel. Thank you that it still saves. May we learn lessons from Judas that we don't want to be like that. We want to be openly for you in our hearts, in our souls, because we believe the gospel of grace. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. We hope that you received a blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you to visit us in person. You can watch us live and view past services on our website at gpnd.net. For more information, please visit our website or contact us by phone. Until next week, may God richly bless you as our prayer.